0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Movies. I am your host, Daniel Berrios, and it is a sleepy Tuesday morning here in Denton, Texas, March 21st, 2023, 3.18 in the morning. <laughs> but me being sleepy does not deter me from talking about Lisa Cocas and Romain Guerret's new film, The Worst Ones, known in French as Le Pire it's a movie by the way i'm not doing the trailer because if you don't understand french like i don't understand french i don't know what the trailer would do for you but it's a movie about street casting there's this suburb in northern france i think it's uh, Boulogne-sur-Mer, where the production has elected instead of hiring regular actors to just pull their cast straight from the streets to interview hundreds of kids Ranging from like age eight to 17 about a movie set in this sort of working class neighborhood known essentially is like talking about kids from the hood and I kind of want you to hang on to that thought, you know, what you think kids from the hood are and what kind of story you tell when I mentioned that, oh, these are kids from the hood. Are you thinking about violence are you thinking about drugs are you thinking about like a pregnant teenager trying to make her way out you know, there's that whole narrative about like, trying to break out of the hood are you thinking about like an angry kid who's given an opportunity to shine maybe by nurturing something like an animal or whatnot you know these ideas of what the kinds of stories that come out of these neighborhoods should be or are or uh those are the ones that I think a and Gareth is are challenging. In a way I think this is partially because of their history with work with working with casting hundreds of kids for you know off of the street, you know, non trained actors and I think they approach the lives of the kids that they're casting with immense care and nurturing. know they're not trying to shy away from the backgrounds of these kids you know there are definitely those folks who are dealing with violence and there are those folks that are dealing with insecurity and terrible rumors and not a great home life and you know one of the great scenes in the movie is just watching one of the kids uh, walk home and In order to go home they have to open a door that has a shattered window in it and you see the bullet hole that it was left behind in it like this is the place where you're supposed to feel safest and yet you're welcomed home with the reminder that somebody took a gun and shot at it so not an easy thing to deal with but i think the glory of the movie is that while And even in the movie itself, there are people from the neighborhood that are like, why are you stigmatizing these kids? Why are you bringing out the stereotypes of the hood? You're making a movie that ironically kind of fits those stereotypes, but the way that the movie treats these kids treats them with the kind of humanity that they have. It's a movie where art and sort of... You know, this isn't a France that is Woody Allen's France. This isn't Audrey Hepburn's uh, France. This isn't uh, some kind of Parisian glory or uh, full of like artistic majesty in the way that you're thinking about it, in the glamorous way that you're thinking about it. But there is art and majesty to be found in everyone. And so it's a populist approach of that, to something like that. And I've noticed that just first off, in the way that they cast these kids, you know, the main kid, his name is Ryan, and played by Timo Mahut, and the movie opens with a bunch of these interviews of the main kids that we see, but Ryan is just this buzz cut blonde kid. With a, a intense, sort of uh, stoic face. You know, he's like an angry little puppy and doesn't talk much, but just the camera cannot, like, you can't drag your eye off of him. And the same goes with Lily, who's an older, uh, she's like 16, played by a uh, Melody Wanek. Uh, want to cook but i'm sorry i french is not my thing but she's just this vivacious uh little fiery like a um, thought in a grin a second type of teenager that is constantly just chattery chatter, chattery a lot of fun to hang around with and super playful and sweet and at the same time she's also kind of like a fiery temper you see later in the movie but these interviews even in the small interactions that they have with the people like the director and the director's assistant there's a small little window into the kind of joy and fire that lights up these kids that are normally just repressed by you know I guess managed expectations I don't know there's something in these kids performances that tells me that they do not usually expect good things to happen to them and so they are reserved until they're kind of finally comfortable enough to let themselves out a little bit and that expression is just something really beautiful I noticed that this movie is dark and how funny it can be it can flip it, it works like a good coming-of-age movie sometimes where it'll be really really funny and sweet one moment and it'll just be heartbreaking the next and what i liked about uh, koka and Gadet's approach is that the editing in some of like the big emotional scenes you know i would expect like another production or another movie to really kind of start the scene slow and build in some big tension until the big emotional moment is coming we enter the scene knowing that somebody is likely going to cry or likely that somebody's gonna rejoice happily but there's something weirdly honest or there's something like comforting or like challenging in a nice way about how they'll enter a scene, immediately drop the emotion, just blunt forth, and then spend the entire rest of the scene having the character deal with that. And it feels less like a movie approach to it and more just the way things happen in our lives. And it feels more honest in that sense. And it allows the characters to express themselves, I guess, through a more realistic approach. And man, when uh, you're looking at Dimeo Mahot, who's just able to balance so much in this. I mean, it's a difficult role to ask of a little kid. There's a lot of just silent, there's a lot of stoic looks. There's a lot of conveying only through like a minute facial expression because this is the type of kid that doesn't, you know, wear his heart on his sleeve usually but, man, you'll see it whenever he's disappointed or whenever he's smiling. He just beams, like, watching this kid openly grin for the first time. I think it's one of those scenes where uh, he's on set, and the director, whose uh, character's name in the movie is Gabriel, played by Elden Heldenberg, uh, a wiry bearded reminds me of uh, Alejandro González Iñárritu uh, kind of a guy you know you look at him at first and he's got sort of like this Willy Wonka-esque approach to the kids where he is can be warm and he can be understanding but at the same time he'll snap and just get all fiery and angry because his mm-hmm. movie's getting fucked up so there's a scene where like he's Ryan is really struggling with direction and is noticing that Gabriel's getting more and more frustrated, and the look on his face is just trying, on one hand, to be posturing to be a tough kid, and on the other hand, he's really broken, kind of hurt that he can't get the stuff right. He's uh, his character in the movie has difficulty concentrating. Potentially, I don't. I think he's coded as ADHD but um there's this way where he just like runs his hands through his hair starts from his face just runs his hands back through his hair there's so much frustration in that one shot and then later whenever uh one of the boom operators who's uh, a fan favorite among the kids goes into like the dressing room and starts pretending to be the director and making fun it's the first time we see ryan just like beam from ear to ear and just a huge grin and that smile is so tender and it's like the movie itself just took a breath you know for some like i feel like this movie follows the characters so well that even in the editing, there's this feeling that we're kind of suffocating along with Ryan until that moment of release. It's like, ah, oh, okay, we're good. Uh, I really want to talk about um, One X, uh, Mallory One X performance, because, again, that vivacious energy is just infectious, and she really does have uh, kind of a Margot Robbie- quality to her there's a bubbliness but there's also a intense uh reckoning of emotion a lot of what's it called a lot of range in her but specifically the kind of range that will just force me to look at the screen the whole time like when she's crying i'm invested when she's happy and fucking around i'm invested and there's a really great scene where she is just playing in her element against a, one of her co-workers like it's part of this ex- acting exercise and she is fully lived in it like it's it's almost like watching that babylon scene where Margaret roby kind of like turns on and off at a second when Wenex got the same kind of approach where she can just be in a scene and roll with it. And it convinced that it's a completely different character than the one that I saw about 20 minutes prior. And man, she is a talent to watch out for. I don't know if she's going to continue with something like this, but I would be very uh, happy to see her go along. Uh, let's see here. It's really among these characters these three that i'm kind of interested most in the movie uh the director character again that willy wonka quality of like you technically on the outside you're supposed to trust them like it's a director they're having fun they get to play around and be in a movie and do these cool things with like cameras and acting and performance and that kind of thing but at the same time he's such a perfectionist and uh the movie makes a point to have this be his directorial debut and he's an older director too. the character i think it's 54 making his first movie and so there's an element of like all of those first time jitters coming to someone who's mature so someone who's already kind of like losing a bit of patience in life as is and now entering a really stressful period of his life Oh, there's similarities excuse me again there's similarities that I find between the kids and Gabriel the director that makes it uh, makes him kind of simpatico I've noticed that I could see where this person was sort of molded out of his experience into something like this and goes to show you that similarly similarly tempered people can come from anywhere so you've got this guy who maybe didn't grow up in sort of like the neighborhoods where you know bullet holes would be at your front door but in the same sense he's also very insecure and very prone to anger much like ryan is but he's also super vivacious and constantly seeking sort of the the center spotlight, like someone like Lily is. Really good shit. There's, let's see here. One of the things that I liked about this as well is that it doesn't, you would think a movie set in the hood would kind of like gray out its color palette, but this one, no, it's just, feels naturalistic it's got this kind of quality where um you i don't know how do i explain this the colors are bright and it's sort of like just natural uh cinema verite maybe i'm using that term wrong but cinema verite of um just walking around regular old life and capturing sort of the beauty within each light i sometimes do funny effect like when gabriel looks at the side of a building which is kind of tattered and worn and he's like oh this is perfect like there's gonna be so much like emotion looking at this like weird little building here ryan just ride your bike through it making fun of that kind of stuff but at the same time there is kind of a a beauty in these kind of neighborhoods that some of us just may won't may not ever experience and may never see the beauty through it it just takes a particular type of lens and a particular type of cinematography to make that kind of stuff work pointing out the colors and the textures of this kind of neighborhood in a in a respectful and honest way i also so yeah you've got just the color palette which is sort of bright and uh one of those movies where like you can't immediately tell who's struggling based on like the wardrobe you know they're not like there's not like the preps versus the poor kids it's just everybody kind of looks the same but you notice that the kids that are dubbed the worst ones are the ones that deal with adversity kind of head on like Lily and Ryan are folks that either completely shut down while Ryan completely shuts down, Lily tends to just lash out at people. But they don't tend to take shit from anyone. And the kids that don't take any shit are dubbed the worst kind. Or l'appeal. Because they've got that intensity to where they want to be respected. And they don't get that respect. And so they'll get it in some way, shape, or fucking form whether it be through fisticuffs or through insults or that kind of thing. So I don't have too much to say about it. You kind of have to just kind of watch it for yourself and let yourself live in this world. And, and I think when you do, you're going to find a story that is laughingly, you know, that's comedically poking fun at the type of movie that you might think this is from first glance. And in some ways it does kind of lean into those stereotypes. I don't say it does it perfectly, but I think the performances that are captured here are strong enough and well done to the point where you it does kind of elevate itself above other similar work. So yeah, uh, let's see. The Worst Ones won the prize at the Cannes Film Festival last year. In uh, the uncertain regard competition, and let me see, because I know the people that gave me the PR wanted me to mention this. It is opening in theaters. It's kind of like a limited release or like a rollout, which starts on March twenty-first in New York and the Quad. And then we'll open in LA on April 7th at the Mel Monica. And then, you know, Chicago, it's going to open in Denver and it's going to have that sort of like slower rollout. I'm not entirely sure when it's coming to Dallas. Let me see if I can find that full information. Regional cities. Okay, so yeah, Denver and Chicago are opening on April 7th as well. Denver in the Sea Film Center. And, oh, I miss Gene Siskel. Uh, the Gene Siskel Film Center in Chicago. Oh, God. I miss Siskel and Ebert, you know. Do you ever think about those two and you're just like, man, I. sometimes I watch movies and I wonder what Roger or what Gene would have thought of these things. But, you know, what can I say? just miss my heart yeah it doesn't look like it tells me when it's coming to dallas but you know i'll be able to hopefully let y'all know probably just in a future episode what's going down but again thank you for listening to another episode of the movies if you want to follow me on social media just do so in the links posted in the description and please review the show on apple podcasts that Any comments, any questions, just leave that in the review on Apple Podcasts. I will read it on the next episode. And until next time, I'm going to leave you with a song that kind of woke me up when I was uh, starting to record this thing. It's from my favorite band in the world. I'm so happy they're coming back after a long time away to do some touring. This is a song by the Gaslight Anthem. It is from their 2012 handwritten album called Howl. The song fucking rocks, man. Good morning. I hope y'all are doing well. And uh, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And always take care of the movies.